And now, another Oprah and Friends exclusive. You have heard her on Oprah's Soul Series. It takes a fearless spirit to live in the mystery. Now it's your turn to talk to spiritual adventurer and author Elizabeth Lesser. Or your questions and comments on a new earth, please call 866-OPRA-XM now. That's 866-OPRA-XM, 866-677-2496. Now, live on Oprah and Friends, it's Elizabeth Lesser. Welcome. I'm so glad you tuned in this week to a new earth after show. It's designed exclusively for you, the Oprah and Friends listener on XM156. Really glad you're here tonight. This is the special companion radio program to the Monday night webcast between Oprah and Eckhart Tolle, their interactive class that's uh, been going on now for eight weeks, all about Eckhart's amazing book, A New Earth. And um, it's always available. If you missed it tonight, you can go to Oprah.com and you can download it. You can download it into your iPod. In fact, that's now available. You can um, do that, the podcast, with tonight's radio program as well and some of the past ones. So go to Oprah.com to figure all of this out. Uh, We're up to Chapter 8 now of this interactive 10-week webinar. Millions of people around the world have been tuning in. It's been called now the largest classroom on earth. And tonight people were emailing and calling in from around the world, from Denmark, Tokyo, England, even in Palestine, in the little town of Bethlehem. A woman was calling in with a very touching question about how to apply Eckhart Tolle's uh, philosophies to life in a war zone. And people were calling in, as usual, from Canada and the U.S., all of the states in the U.S. as well. It's this amazing global community. And now you have a chance to be part of it as well. If you're listening to XM Radio, you can call and speak to me. I'm Elizabeth Lesser, and I'm your host for this next hour. Call me. I'd love to talk to you at 866-OPRA-XM. That's 866-677-2496. And if you haven't been tuning in for the past two months, I just want to give you a brief uh, introduction to myself. I've been working with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle uh, creating this curriculum, this unique curriculum that's been touching millions of people around the world. I'm the author of The Seeker's Guide and also Broken Open, How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow. And I'm the co-founder of Omega Institute, for holistic studies. And that's why Oprah asked me to help her put this curriculum together. I've been creating curriculums about alternative healing and spirituality and creativity and peak performance for 30 years at the school I co-founded in upstate New York, where America's largest conference and retreat center. And that's given me a lot of good skills and experience to help these two amazing people, Oprah and Eckhart Tolle, create a -a one-of-a-kind, first-of-its-kind, worldwide classroom. So um, I hope you'll call me. Tonight we're talking about Chapter 8, which is called Discovering Inner Space. And when I first saw that title, it sounded a little kind of spacey, woo-woo, inner space, right? But actually that's wrong. It's, It's it's the most clear-headed and practical chapter. It's about gaining a really large perspective from which to live our lives. 
And I, I was reading a particular passage in Chapter 8. I'm going to read it to you in a minute. And it reminded me of a book I read years ago by the astronaut Edgar Mitchell. He was the sixth man to walk on the moon in 1971. And um, he made this point in, the, in his book about how astronauts go up into space they start off as these scientists and military men. Most of them come up through the military. They're very practical men. And they go up to space. They see Earth from the moon or from uh, their spacecraft. And they return as these deep thinkers and humanitarians. And uh, here's the passage from Eckhart Tolle, page 225, chapter 8, that reminded me of that. Eckhart writes, being detached does not mean you can't enjoy the good that the world has to offer. In fact, you enjoy it more. When you're detached, you gain a higher vantage point from which to view the events in your life instead of being trapped inside them. You become like an astronaut who sees the planet Earth surrounded by the vastness of space, and you realize a paradoxical truth. The Earth is precious and at the same time, it's insignificant. So that reminded me of Edgar Mitchell's book, and it also reminded me of quotes I've been collecting. I'm sort of a compulsive quote collector, and I've started collecting over the years quotes by astronauts because I'm really fascinated how this perspective of outer space can uh, affect our life on Earth and it reminds me of how the perspective of a vast inner space can also affect the way we live. Here's something that Edgar Mitchell said after he walked on the moon. He said, In outer space you develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. From out there on the moon, international politics looked so petty I wanted to grab a politician by the scruff of his neck and drag him a quarter of a million miles out and say, Look at that, you SOB. We astronauts went to the moon as technicians, and we returned as humanitarians. And then here's another beautiful one from a Russian astronaut. He was the first person to ever walk in space. And he flew in that first docking mission in 1965 between American and Soviet spacecrafts. This is what he said. What struck me most was the silence. It was a great silence, unlike any I have encountered on Earth, so vast and deep that I began to hear my own body, my own heart beating, my blood vessels pulsing, even the rustle of my muscles moving over each other seemed audible. There were more stars in the sky than I had expected. The sky was deep black and yet at the same time bright with sunlight. The earth was small, light blue, and so touchingly alone, our home that must be defended like a holy relic. So these were these two men, military men, Russia, the United States. They went up into space, and they came back concerned about the beauty of our Earth, in love with creatures and human, human beings, wanting to serve, filled with this new perspective. Fortunately, we don't have to go to the moon or walk in space to achieve that same kind of perspective. And that's what Eckhart Tolle is talking about in this chapter. 
he's saying that, and he said it right when he finished this this um, last webcast with Oprah. He said, inside our bodies, if you ask a physicist, that inside our bodies there is a huge amount of space between the molecules in our body. If you looked inside with a microscope at our body, you would see vastness of space. When we slow down and quiet our mind, we actually become aware of this huge spaciousness inside of us that is always available. And like an inner astronaut, if we take the time to develop stillness and quietness, we are gifted with the kind of consciousness that the astronauts got, perspective and a desire to serve. And that's what this um, chapter is about. So I welcome you to call me about it or anything you've been reading in the book that may puzzle you or you want to talk about and share. Call me at 866-OPRA-XM. And we do have Pam on the line. And Pam, I'm so happy you're joining us. What do you want to talk about tonight? Well, this particular week just kind of hit home, and um, it's learning to detach and learning to gain um, a better perspective, as you were just mentioning, from space. Let's bring it down to Earth. When, when there's so many external situations that it becomes overwhelming, for one, and you kind of run out of energy to deal with um, learning to be alert and aware. Can you respond to maybe some tips on how to regain that energy? Sure, I'd love to. But could you help us out, all of us listening, and tell us what what happened this week that kind of threw you off? I hear that you often can gain that perspective and then something derails you. What happened this week or in the past few weeks that you want to share with us? Um, I find myself dealing with fear and anger in regards to the many losses that I'm experiencing in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And I would like to flip-flop that around (laughs) and do something that um, can help myself learn to take the fear and the anger and stop for that moment Mm -hmm. and, and realize I don't want to trip myself up mm-hmm. or, you know, do the, make the wrong decision. I want to be Great. Um, I think I understand. Clear. I think yeah. I understand what you're yeah. saying. And we all understand it because we all go through it. You know, you think you've been on a path a long time. You're reading a book and you think, hey, I should be able to uh, stay in this moment for longer than just uh, a few minutes and then fall off again. So first of all, I want you to feel part of a community of seekers, all of us, we're all working on the same thing, Pam. So you're you're asking a question that we all have, and thank you for asking it. The first thing I would talk about is something that Eckhart was talking about a lot tonight, and that's acceptance. Um, we kind of come into to this life thinking that it shouldn't have all these losses. We shouldn't have so many troubles. So when they arise, especially it sounds like they're arising fast and furious right now in your life, the first thing we do is this big fat no. I don't want this to be happening. This shouldn't be happening. This hurts. I don't like it. That energy, it uses up all of our creativity. 
to resist. Resistance is such a, a suck of energy, and the very kind of experience you're wanting to have gets used up in fighting what's going on. So the very first thing I would suggest to you, it sounds almost impossible, but it's to accept the problems or what you're calling the problems that have come your way and to realize they are written into the experience of being a human. The way Eckhart was talking tonight about that ancient story, the king yeah. was having all these problems mm -hmm. and he said, I'll do anything now. I'm so tired of myself. And uh, the wise man said, here, any time you have a problem, take this ring, and it's inscribed with something, and read the inscription. And the inscription is, this too shall pass. And what that means is that everything's going to pass in our life. People are going to die. People are going to disappoint us. We're going to lose our job. We're going to lose our money. This is going to happen. This is what it means to be a human being. So acceptance is really the key. And what if all of those problems are being delivered to my door at the moment? Well, my my own health situation. Well, my, one my one, story. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, my little me is reacting. To well, it's all, all right. We this, all you know. we all have that. We all do that. That's okay. So don't um, lay on top of it, self incrimination. But um, one other thing that Eckhart has said in other chapters is that. It's the people who get handed the most problems that have the greatest opportunity to awaken. So even in your deepest pain, if you can welcome them as your wake-up calls, as your gifts to awaken, and when you can't and when you fall off and you start being angry and upset, take those three deep breaths that Eckhart was talking about tonight for the person who was dealing with an addiction. Because in a way, all of our resistance to pain is an addiction. It's an addiction to feeling bad about life. If you can take those deep breaths when you get carried away by your unhappiness, breaths of forgiveness toward yourself and breaths of gratitude toward life, I think it's going to help you some. But for you, I would say the key word is acceptance. I hope this helped some, and we're thinking about you. We're all with you, and thanks for calling. Okay, so I welcome you all to call, and uh, the number is 866-677-2496. Welcome to the program, Julia. Thank you for calling. Have you been reading the book and and watching or listening to the webcast? Yes, I have. I read it, and then I've been doing it every week. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. Thank you so much for doing the after show. And I'm so grateful to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, please, tell me um, what it is you'd like to speak with me about. Well, um, I've been sort of a subscriber or a fan of Oprah and Friends since uh, I got my new car, which came with XM Radio back in November. And one of the things I learned about was Law of Attraction. And I got so excited into it that I signed up for an expensive seminar on it. And then I started to take Eckhart Tolle's class. And I'm suddenly losing, like, any interest in law of attraction because it seems to conflict with the stuff that I'm learning from Eckhart Tolle's work. The law of attraction seems kind of egotistical. So to get to the point real quick, I'm wondering, how do you do both at the same time? Mm, that is a great question. And I know a lot of people have been talking about this on the chat boards on Oprah.com because, of course, Oprah had 
introduced us all to the law of attraction right before this, and I do think they can work together. Um, I want you to explain to me and to others what, in very briefly, what the law of attraction means to you as presented in your course, and then I want you to give me a one-liner about what Eckhart Tolle's book has meant for you. Oh, okay. I haven't taken the course yet, so, um, but from what I'm observing from the teacher who teaches it so far, it just seems he, he talks a lot about, oh, I'm attracting this, and there's a lot of those things. So it seems so ego-driven to me, but at the same time, I think law of attraction, a lot of it is, is really being grateful mm-hmm. for uh, what you have, and, and, you know, even if you, I don't know, just being grateful for, even you know, if it hasn't happened, just grateful for the things in that category that you might have. I just think it's a lot about gratitude. So, And then what what's, what's, Eckhart, what's Eckhart's book been meaning to you? Uh, it's, you can I mean, do it. It's, been, it's, it's, it's been more like um, that regardless of what happens in life, mm-hmm. that if you learn to just be with what is, mm-hmm. okay, it right. doesn't matter. You can be happy in the moment okay, and great. even deal with whatever is. So it's like if I'm happy in the moment, I'm not even driven to get anything or to do the law of attraction stuff. You understand? Yes, I do, and I think you clarified it for all of us. So you're saying what you don't really necessarily like anymore about the law of attraction is that thinking about the future, what I can get, what I can be. And what Eckhart's telling us to do is to be, just to be, and to see the power that comes to you from being. Now, I think if you spoke to people, the people who have written those books and to the the people who deeply understand what the law of attraction is all about, I don't think it's that much different from what Eckhart Tolle is speaking about. I actually have been in the presence of people who, who've been involved in The Secret, and if you understand it on a deep, deep level, it's not different from the power of being present. What Eckhart would say is that if you are entirely present in whatever you are doing, all good things will come to you. And I do think that that's what um, this, the... the uh, law of attraction is about too, but we have a fantastic expert who's just walked into the room. Oprah has just walked in, and we're talking about, this is a a wonderful caller who's asking about, she was getting into the law of attraction work, Mm -hmm. and then she started reading um, Eckhart Tolle and doing the webcast, Mm -hmm. and now she doesn't really know if she's interested in the law of attraction anymore, because it seems to be about stimulating the ego. Mm. What do you think well, about it, that? I think it depends upon what it is you're trying to attract. The, tr- the truth of the matter is the law of attraction is working whether you choose to believe in it or, uh, or not. It doesn't require your belief. In order, A law doesn't require your belief to be a law. If it's a universal principle or law, and the law of attraction is simply saying is, is that when vibrational frequencies are aligned, you draw to yourself that which is a part of your frequency. And um, one of the problems I had with The Secret, I love The Secret in that it introduced a lot of people to this 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 open door, um, a new way of thinking about their lives and not thinking so literally about their lives, but re- recognizing that thought does have power. That's why I love The Secret. And when I said on, on the air that I use The Secret in my life, that's what I meant. What I don't, what I didn't like about it is, is that so many people interpreted the... Um, 
what Rhonda was saying and other people were saying to mean I can use it to get things for myself. Isn't it funny how the wise people speak and then it's the human interpretation of it that always gets in the way. That's right. Whether it's Rhonda or Jesus or Mohammed, Mm -hmm. truths are uttered and then we kind of filter it through. Well, I think also that tape, one of the things that bothered me about the secret tape was the little boy who wishes for the bicycle and he puts the picture of the bicycle and he's holding the picture of the bicycle and then his grandfather or someone like a grandfather image shows up and hands him the bicycle. That bothered me because I was a kid who wanted a bicycle for many years and didn't get one until I was, you know, 36 years old because I could wish for a bicycle all I wanted and I wasn't going to get a bicycle because the the law of attraction doesn't work unless you are in alignment with the frequency that mm-hmm. you're, you're and also Eckhart would to. say the way to get into alignment is to stop resisting not having the bicycle but not having the bicycle so yeah so they work very beautifully together as long as you don't turn either of them into a belief system that you're going to believe 100% that's right and that's the beauty of what Eckhart is also trying to say Eckhart doesn't want to be a guru to anybody and doesn't want this to be a belief system. This is exactly the reason why I came over here this evening and then I'm going to go home because I've been working since 6.30 this morning. Uh, One of the things Eckhart said at the end of the show, I said, gee, I wish you'd said that on the show. Inner space, uh, this chapter, chapter eight was difficult for a lot of people. And the reason why inner space is difficult to understand because you cannot understand it from your mind or through your mind. So at the end of it, he said, well, if you're trying to interpret this from your mind, you never can. The words in chapter eight are only a pointer mm-hmm. to the way inner space feels. Right. Inner space is a feeling um, very much like what he was saying um, two weeks ago. It's like until you taste honey, you can be told about honey, you can read about honey, you can have descriptions of honey, but until you taste honey, you don't know Mm -hmm. honey. And the same thing is true with inner space. Unless you actually have felt that yourself, unless you can feel it, the words in the chapter only point you towards the feeling. They cannot explain Mm. the feeling to you. Yeah, before you came over, I was reading some quotes from astronauts who go up to space, these military men, and they come back mystics because they have experienced something we can't experience unless we've been there. And I was trying to use that as an example of until you've experienced inner space, it, it, it doesn't, the words don't sync up. The words don't up. sync up. Like there's uh, Alan Shepard, who was the commander of Apollo 14, in 1988, he said, if somebody had said before the flight, are you going to get all carried away looking at the earth from the moon? I would have said, no, no way. But when I first looked back at the earth standing on the moon, I cried. And that is the experience when you, when, like the beautiful scientist you were interviewing this morning. Right. On, who was going to be on. On the Soul Series. On here on XM Radio and also uh, going to be on our webcast uh, beginning March 12th on, uh, on Oprah.com. The beautiful scientist, her name is uh, Dr. Jill, Jill Bolte-Taylor, who had the stroke in her left, in the left part of her brain, but the right part of her brain remained conscious. The right part of her brain, she uses brain terminology because she's a brain scientist, but the right part of her brain is what Eckhart calls presence. That's what he is talking about, the presence or consciousness that exists in that right part of the brain. And until she had the stroke 
and that stroke forcibly quieted the chatter in the left part of the brain. That's right. And so she lost her ego. She lost all identification with who she was. She lost her ability to even speak, but she felt that she, for the first time, was connected to the oneness of everything, that she felt more powerful and more alive, not only felt alive, knew that she was life Mm -hmm. itself. And we don't have to have a stroke, and we don't have to go into outer space. Yeah. And what you know, that, here that tape we... is on the internet, or you can go to drjillboattaylor.com and, and, and see it. That's why I'm so excited that many people are seeing it over the internet mm. to hear what she's talking about. And, and her book is called My, My Stroke of Insight. And so so. We, we've come to almost the end you know, of, of our course and reading this book. And so if somebody were just to say to you, okay, okay, I want that perspective of the astronaut, of, of the stroke victim, of Eckhart Tolle, but... How do I get it? Quiet your mind. Quiet your mind. Stop allowing your thoughts to determine what your life is. Stop allowing your thoughts to make you believe that that's who you are because you're not your thoughts. And one of the beautiful things that um, this, this Dr. Taylor said today is that not only did she lose, you know, her ability to speak and all that. Of course, now she's gained it back after eight years. But the entire memory and all the baggage of her past, she also lost that and realized it was all just in her mind and had no power over her life, mm-hmm. no power over life. Yeah, and, and we have the ability to do that, too, to quiet our mind, to recognize that memories and what has happened to us in the, in the past, that only the now matters and nothing that has ever happened in the past has a power over the present moment. Of now, and the past isn't just six years ago, ten years ago. The past is everything. Everything. The past is ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. The past is one second ago. Every moment, she, Dr. Taylor was saying, every moment you have a choice. You have a choice. Are you going to focus on the negative thoughts in your mind, mm-hmm. or are you going to focus on something else? You're always at choice. Well, I had to come over tonight because I couldn't let that go, That uh, what Eckhart said at the very end of the class, uh, that the reason why so many people find this chapter, chapter 8, difficult is because you're trying to understand it from your thinking mind, mm-hmm. and it must, inner space must be experienced. And the words in the chapter are just to point you to the experience. Mm-hmm. I feel better now having said that. All right. I can sleep in peace tonight. You may tonight. go home now. I'm going to go home released. now and look into my inner body and try to have a peaceful night's You sleep. deserve it. You have been working. Today. You Thank have. You, Thank you. Thanks, everybody on XM. Thank you. Good night, Oprah. Good night. Good night, Lindsay. I'm going out. And also you can find Dr. Taylor's video at TED.org. That's T-E-D.org. I really urge you to view it. it it's so fantastic. And let's take a call. Maria, welcome to the show. Really great to talk to you. You there, Maria? All right. Maria is not there. Um, I'm Elizabeth Lesser, and this is a New Earth After Show, which is the companion program to the really groundbreaking weekly Monday night webcast that Oprah and Eckhart Tolle, the author of A New Earth, have been doing. And we're up to Chapter 8. And uh, we have Bina on the line. Welcome, Bina. 
Hi, thank you. Thanks for taking my call, Elizabeth. It's a pleasure. It was nice to hear Oprah um, share what she just shared, and it relates to actually the question I was going to ask. I've been a flight attendant for 13 years, and um, trying to find inner space or that that quiet peace of mind while I'm in a confined, enclosed tube for hours on end and dealing with difficult, um, demanding customers and passengers, um, how, how do I do that in such an enclosed environment with so many people and so much noise? I, I find that if I were to continuously take a deep breath and be conscious of my breath, I'd be hyperventilating all day. <laughs> it's, it's so challenging. Wow. I think all of us are so happy you're trying to do this. All of us who fly just can't wait to have a conscious steward or stewardess. This is so great you're doing this work. Um, you know, you're in a perfect job and a perfect opportunity to practice this. And when Eckhart and other meditation teachers speak about breath, it's not really about changing the way you breathe or taking long breaths or hyperventilating. It's not that at all. It's bringing a very gentle and non-forcing awareness to the very calm action of breathing. You're bre- we're always breathing. We're just not conscious of it. So it's really just bringing awareness to your breath. Why? Because it is the easiest and quickest way to, to calm down and show up fully for the people you're with. So it's not something you need to think about. It's more like, all right, you're about to start serving the food in the plane and people are getting up and getting in your way and people are ordering things you don't have and you're beginning to feel this rising anxiety and anger. When you feel an emotion rising within you, whether it's frustration, anger, boredom, weariness, meet that with, a, with the awareness of your breath. You don't have to change the way you breathe, speed it up or slow it down. You just bring a quiet awareness to your breathing. It takes just a second, half of a second. So you feel the anger rising. I'm calling it anger. It could be whatever. In fact, what is, what is the emotions that rise, Bina, in you primarily? Um, primarily it's frustration or um, lots of times shock just to see the way we behave. Um, on a plane, and the, how we treat each other. Uh huh. The way the the way your passengers behave and treat each other and treat you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, more, more frustration. Mm-hmm. So when a passenger is treating you poorly, as if you're not a human being, they're just seeing you as the role. Remember that chapter in the book about yes. roles. This yes, uh-huh. this passenger is just seeing you as a role, not seeing you as a human. Oddly enough, the way to counteract that is to meet him with as much humanness as you can. See the beautiful human in him. Meet his um, aggression with your peacefulness. As Gandhi always said, be the peace you want to see in the world. Be the peace you want to see on your airplane. So when an aggressive person meets you, breathe consciously and warmly and meet him with love and full attention 
and just see how that can change the space. Now, it may not change it with him. Don't give up. Try. Luckily for you, you've got the next row of people and the next and the next. And right. give it a try over the next few weeks in the air. And I think you'll see a difference. And we certainly will appreciate you for doing it. So I hope that helped. Thank you. It does very much. I'll certainly give it a try. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Dr. Uh, Jill Bolte-Taylor, who Oprah was just talking about, says that um, the emotional physiology, um, like when frustration, like Bina was just talking about, or anger rises, it actually only takes 90 seconds. If you were to do nothing with it, not resist it, not try to make it go away, not to cover it up, if you just were to let the emotion, and this is for anybody, if you're a mom or a teacher or whatever, you let that emotion just live in you. And in 90 seconds, this is the, the brain science, the chemicals, it goes away. So it won't live in you long if you don't resist it. So if you're on that, if you're still listening, Bina, and you're on the airplane and you feel that frustration rising in you, just let it be. Let your breath carry it away. And in 90 seconds, it'll be gone. Maria, welcome to A New Earth After Show. What's your question? Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for taking my call. Um, this, I'm nervous, so I hope I can articulate as well. Good. <laughs> but, we're, um, we're, we're all listening and, and want to hear what you have to say. This, this book, this, this wonderful web class and this program that you do afterwards is really changing my life and, and bringing a, a, a new peace and a just a beauty to, to life that I've never had before. How has it changed? Let, tell us what you were like before, and very briefly, and what, what's different now? Well, I was very unconscious before, completely unconscious before, and I, I know that I'm here now because I was ready for it, and the reason that I was ready for it was because I, I experienced the loss of my, my very, very, very best friend who died nine months ago, and... I understand that I had to go through that event and through this process to get here, but what I'm finding is that in that, in that recognition of that is the sadness that if only I had known <laughs> what I know now, um, what I could have brought mm-hmm. to the relationship yeah. as a whole, what I could have brought to her dying process. and. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I know and I can tell myself that I did the best that I could, that I was conscious of doing at the time, and forgive myself for not knowing better and not being more aware, but there's still just this sadness, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I should just be with it and say, this too shall pass, or it almost feels like it's acting like the pause button in continuing my Well, it is. It is acting like the pause button button and right in there is your awakening that's your aha moment to know that holding on to the past and the sadness of not having been there for your friend is a way of holding on to the past now it doesn't mean that that's wrong in fact that's a beautiful emotion to have it's a teaching emotion it's a wise emotion it's telling you um i loved her your sadness is a, almost like a badge of how much you loved her. You're sorry you weren't there for her more. 
That's good. It's good to feel that. It's not good to hold on to it because, as you say, it's a pause button. And ironically, what it's doing is creating just more opportunities for you in the future to feel sad about how you're not showing up now. Because I imagine that holding on to that sadness is keeping you from being fully present in the relationships that you are having with alive people now. Mm -hmm. So learn from what happened hmm, I didn't show up fully from her. Thank you. Great gobs of gratitude to your friend for being the messenger of that. Now you can get on with showing up fully uh, for the people who are in your life. I I had a personal experience myself with that when um, my very good friend, when I was still in my 20s, died... um, and I was with her when she died. Mm-hmm. And I spent a similar amount of time locked in what I should have done, what I should have done for her, her husband, her child. And um, I had a similar awakening through it of, oh, her death was actually a gateway for me into being more present with the people in my life now. So honor her, her life and her death, by showing up fully for the people in your life now. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm Elizabeth Lesser, and you're listening to A New Earth After Show. Thank you, Ivan. You're on the line. Thank you so much for calling in. Welcome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being there. This has been such a wonderful experience. Yeah, hasn't uh, it? Have you been um, participating in the... Um, webcast also with Oprah and Eckhart? I have. Indeed, I was reading the book all the way along uh, before it started, and it's made a huge difference in my life and what I've had to go through the last year. In many ways, I realized the gratitude I have for the good things that are going on in the world as a result of some of these experiences. So how? What, uh, what's your question tonight? Well, I had an experience a, a year ago at this time where I lost a, a business was taken over in a hostile takeover, and I lost everything I had invested for many years into. Uh, and it's been a rebirth, but it's also been a struggle because um, I've had a lot of grievances towards the people that took over the company and basically dismantled it. And I've tried to get away with it. In most cases, I do pretty well. But every once in a while, it crops up, and I, I, under, I understand and I'm quite aware that the ego trying to have these grievances, but I'd like to have some mechanisms to more or less get beyond it and, mm-hmm. and just let it go and be forgiving of that situation. Can you notice a pattern when they arise? Does anything happen in particular that makes your feelings of grievance, grudges, anger, resentment toward these people come up? Yes, in many cases, when I look at my financial situation um, and I look at the loss of the purpose that I had when I was uh, very dedicated, it was very much of a social venture Mm -hmm. business dedicated to social good, and I've seen what's happened to it since then. Right, so so, um, when you're suddenly feeling a lack of purposefulness, and also probably fear about your finances. Um, when that energy rises up, 
it's a lot easier for the ego to meet that with blame and anger toward the past. It's a yeah. less creative response, and it takes less energy for the ego. The ego doesn't really want to be creative in the moment. The ego would prefer to either dream about the future or blame the past. So instead of getting on your case about, oh, there I go again, it's really more like, hmm, would I rather waste this precious moment called the now, lingering in the past, or would I rather go about creating my new life because my own experience in my life. And for me, my big loss, where I had to learn what you're learning now, Ivan, was when my marriage crumbled and everything that I thought I was fell apart. And, right. and I now, years later, can look back and say, thank God for that experience. Before it happened, I really didn't know who I was. I really wasn't strong, and I didn't have a connection to spirit as well as I do now. I, I can look at that now and say it, but back then I spent a lot of wasted time and energy in guilt and anger and blame. That is a waste of your precious resources. So the best way to let go of those feelings is to actually replace them with a sense of gratitude. Even if you're sort of making it up, like, thank you. Thank you for being the portal through which I am going to enter my new life. And sending gratitude to them, replacing feelings of blame with gratitude, and that will give you so much energy to move into your next phase. Um, do you have intimations of, of this creative force coming into your life, a sense of, like, new opening and new possibilities? Oh, I do, it, and it has it uh, been absolutely grateful. I'm grateful for the fact that I am freed from that experience. And mm -hmm. when I'm in that state of gratitude, I find myself being very creative and attracting new things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do, I am a conscious of this, but it, every once in a while it just kind of grips me like a post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah, Eckhart would say that's the pain body, almost that little, that little being that wants you to stay in the past. Don't fight the pain body. Don't make the pain body into yet another enemy. Just sort of tip your hat to the pain body. Say, oh, it's you again. Hello, well, I'm much more interested in gratitude, and smile. You can even smile. When, when those feelings come up, give a little half smile, and um, I think it'll help you move on. And It does. Yeah. And listening to Oprah, is, I've been very grateful, and to your follow-up program, it's been wonderful. I've listened to most of them. Thank and you. And I do appreciate your kind words. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. And um, I hope you'll call in, too, and that's 866-OPRA-XM, 866-677-2496. We have Fresha. Is, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Hi. Yes. How are you? That's a great name, Fresha. Thank you. It's different. <laughs> yeah. So I yes. understand that you, um, you're calling because you say you tend to absorb other people's energies. Yes. You know, it, it, thank you for taking my call, by the way. Um, okay, I just have to point out that I remember as a very young girl that I had this really strong sensitivity to my environment. 
And as I got older, it just got, I, I'm not sure if I'm correct, but it just got more intense. And so depend, it doesn't matter where I go or who I talk to, I tend to pick up energies really strongly. So, for example, if I'm around people that are very, you know, angry or not happy or be any type of feeling, I immediately feel what they're feeling. Um, and I pick it up, and I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so my, my question is, um, how do I use this whole consciousness and being present and learn how to, you know, block off feelings that I don't want to feel? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I just, I do the same thing. I, I have, I can pick up on feelings like that. And one thing that's really uh, been helping me studying so deeply Eckhart's work is that it's actually an enormous gift. In fact, I'm sensing with you, Fresha, that it could even be your purpose and could be part of your work, that your capacity to pick up on other people's energies. Um, the first thing to do is not to fight the fact that you're picking up on it. When you feel, when you walk into a room and you see someone and suddenly you feel this sense of like anger and rage, if you fight that, if you're like, oh no, I don't want that, I don't want that because maybe I'll become angry and then you start thinking about it, that's the problem. The fact that you're sensitive and aware and, and somewhat psychic to people's energies is not the problem. It's your resisting it and labeling it as something that's bad. What if you picked it up, but just let it kind of wash through you and not attach to you? Have you tried anything like that? Yes, I've done both. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm in a point in my life where I'm trying to find my true calling in life, my mm-hmm. true passion, and I tend to be a kind of a helper to others. Mm-hmm. I see people, and I and I immediately can see what's going on with them, and I just want to help. But in other cases, their energy is so overwhelming mm-hmm. that um, it just it just takes over me, and I just uh, you know it's so painful. Yeah, it's very painful, and I just don't know. It, I take it in, but once I take it in, I feel miserable afterwards. I mean, I, you know, I can't sleep the next day. I, mm-hmm. you know, try to take a shower to wash that feeling off, and nothing helps. Mm-hmm. All right. It's well, first... Kind of like I'm uh, through others is really what it is. I can't li- be my... I don't know who I really am, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just feel I live my life through yeah. feelings. Isn't it I, amazing how our, our biggest strength and gift can also, often also be... Um, our biggest problem. So I don't want you to think of your ability to feel other people's energies as only a problem. It's actually a great gift, and many, many people would love to have even a little bit of what you have. Some of the biggest problems in the world is not being able to feel what other people feel. In fact, violence uh, could never be perpetrated against another person if you could feel what they felt. So what you have is a gift, and I agree, you do need to learn where, uh, just to function in the world, where you begin and other people stop, and and some sort of boundary setting is important, or you will just be flushed with other people's feelings. So you can do that by, when you start to feel overwhelmed by other people, feel what Eckhart says is your inner body, 
Become aware very, very alertly of the power and energy in your hands, in your chest. You can, you can um, kind of stand tall and put your shoulders back and feel yourself in your body. Know your body. I think that can be a great defense for you for taking on too much. Do that. Strengthen yourself. But I do think it's a gift you have, so don't totally reject it. And I hope that helped. Wonderful to talk to you. Um, pretty soon, after my show is over, you're going to be listen to, listening to Marianne Williamson talking about A Course in Miracles. So please stay tuned after uh, this show is over to her. That's coming up in a few moments. And we're, we're going to take another call. Judy, you're on the line. Thank you for calling. Well, thanks so much for taking my call. You're welcome. What would you like to talk about? Well, I have a problem with um, some people in my life who've been in my life for a long time, and they're extremely confrontational to the point of being, I would say, almost toxic. So I've tried to deal with these people on a non-emotional, rational, understanding level before. Can you tell us who these people are? Well, uh, one of them is a an in-law. Mm-hmm. You don't have to name names. Just put a put a general. No, and another one is a neighbor. Okay. So I've tried to deal with this more through avoidance, since I don't believe I'm going to change them, since I don't believe I can effectively manage the toxicity I feel. I avoid dealing with them altogether. But that seems to make them charge at me even harder. They keep coming at me again and again and, and keeping things stirred up. Mm-hmm. I want to play a clip that, um, from Eckhart tonight where he talks about a um, confusion people have with this work that, um, that if we're in the now, that we just become passive in our life. So let's just listen to this and then I'll come back, Judy, and, and apply it to what you're asking. The English language has two expressions that are related and yet very different. Sometimes uh, I don't mind is interpreted by people as meaning I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I don't care and I don't mind are very different. I don't mind does not mean that you don't care. It means there is a space of freedom inside you, mm-hmm. and that is a peaceful place. Mm-hmm. And unless you are rooted in that peaceful place within, you cannot ultimately be an agent for true positive change in this world. Your state of consciousness is what transmits itself through whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Your state of consciousness is primary. Mm-hmm. And only if your state of consciousness is at peace can whatever you do reflect that. And you can be a bringer of peace into this violent and insane world. And you can then, through whatever you do externally, can bring sanity into this logic, insane world. So, Judy, the person who asked that question tonight was talking more about how does she deal with the general state of 
of the world where there's so much antagonism and war and how how do you make a difference? You're talking about what most of us deal with. We're not on the front lines, but we're dealing with the people in our life who are um, antagonistic and aggressive and coming at us, and we just don't know how to deal with it because we're afraid if we start to match their energy with the same energy, we're just creating more, and then it just escalates. Is that what you find happens in your life? Yes. I, I would say that since I have not been able to resolve it, mm-hmm. um, what I've done is, is pulled back from it um, almost entirely. But um, Well, there is another way to do it, and that's what Eckhart was talking about tonight. And if you can meet the people in your life with the exact opposite energy than they're bringing to you, to be at fully at peace and a powerful peace, not a wimpy peace, but to stand with a lot of power in what you believe is true about how to live a life with love and dignity and, and peace. If you can be that fully, I promise you that will begin to wear off. Avoiding them may be a wise thing to do now. I'm not saying it isn't, and sometimes it is. But being fully at peace is really the best way you can meet them. Well, I certainly have realized that there there was no point in further antagonizing them, but I will have to try to... Uh, review my position as a okay. whimsy piece. <laughs> Thank you for calling, Judy. Thank you for taking my call. Good night. Good night. I want to share with you um, something that Oprah said tonight. You know, as we get toward the end of this course, I'm looking for ways of summing up what has it meant? Why have millions of people every week tuned into this. What is the power of this book and this course and this community we've created? And Oprah said it so well tonight. I want to play you this clip from the course tonight. The real purpose of this entire book and the work of spirituality is to get you, to get us to align our personalities with our soul or higher consciousness so that the work that you do in the world comes from the place of the higher consciousness and you use your ego or personality to serve that. You allow your personality to serve the calling of consciousness that has put you here on the earth in the first place. And when you do that, everything has a flow to it. You're in the right job that gives you the right amount of money for you at any given time because you are in alignment. So you're not worrying about things because you're not living beyond your means. You're not stressing about things because you're not allowing your ego to determine and define who you are in the world. So you're not acting out of an external self, but acting out of the place of inner space or consciousness. So everything is in alignment. And that's not passive. That's not, I can't pay my bills. And so let me find myself later. That is aligning your personality with the higher consciousness so that your higher consciousness, you operate from a place of being and the the inner space is directing and guiding your life and not the outer space. And the inner space that Oprah was talking about, we think it's some sort of like wishy-washy love and peace place. It's actually a very powerful place. If you are aligned with the universe, you're aligned with your power 
and you go into your life with great purpose and meaning. And that's what this book is doing for so many of us. And thank you for joining me tonight on a New Earth After Show. And please tune in this same time next Monday, and we'll be recapping the webcast dialogue between Oprah and Eckhart Tolle, Chapter 9. And I'll be taking your calls again. Coming up, Marianne Williamson on A Course in Miracles. I'm Elizabeth Lesser. You're listening to Oprah and Friends. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. See you next week. You've been listening to Elizabeth Lesser on A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, an Oprah and Friends exclusive.